Chapter Twelve of the Miracles of Our Lord. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Miracles of Our Lord by George MacDonald. Chapter Twelve, The Transfiguration. I have judged it fitting to close this series of meditations with some thoughts on the transfiguration, believing the story to be, as it were, a window through which we gain a momentary glimpse of the region whence all miracles appear, a glimpse vague and dark for all the transfiguring light. For God himself is, by abundant clarity, invisible. In the story we find a marvelous change, a lovely miracle, pass upon the form itself whence the miracles flowed, as if the pent-up grace wrought mightily upon the earthen vessel which contained it. Our Lord would seem to have repeatedly sought some hill at eventide for the solitude such a place alone could afford him. It must often have been impossible for him to find any other chamber in which to hold communion with his father undisturbed. This, I think, was one of such occasions. He took with him the favored three, whom also he took apart from the rest in the garden of gethsemane to retire even from them a little that he might be alone with the father yet know that his brothers were near him the ocean of human need thus drawn upwards in an apex of perfect prayer towards the throne of the father i think this his one only material show if we accept the entry into jerusalem upon the ass took place in the night then the son of joseph the carpenter was crowned not his head only with a crown placed thereon from without, but his whole person with a crown of light borne in him and passing out from him. According to St. Luke, he went up the mountain to pray. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. St. Luke also says that on the next day, when they were come down from the mountain, that miracle was performed which St. Matthew and St. Mark represent as done immediately on the descent. From this it appears more than likely that the night was spent upon the mountain. St. Luke says that the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. St. Matthew says, His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. St. Mark says, His raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. St. Luke is alone in telling us that it was while he prayed that this change passed upon him. He became outwardly glorious from inward communion with his father. But we shall not attain to the might of the meaning, if we do not see what was the more immediate subject of his prayer. It is, I think, indicated in the fact, also recorded by St. Luke, that the talk of his heavenly visitors was of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Associate with this the fact that his talk with his disciples, as they came down the mountain, pointed in the same direction, and that all open report of the vision was to be withheld till he should have risen from the dead. And it will appear most likely that the master, oppressed with the thought of that which now drew very nigh, sought the comfort and sympathy of his father, praying in this prospect of his decease. Let us observe then how, in heaving off the weight of this awful shadow by prayer, he did not grow calm and resigned alone, if he were ever other than such but his faith broke forth so triumphant over the fear, 
that it shone from him in physical light every cloud of sorrow or dread touched with such a power of illumination is itself changed into a glory the radiance goes hand in hand the coming decay and the three days victory of death it is as a foretaste of his resurrection a putting on of his new glorified body for a moment while he was yet in the old body in the awful shadow yet between it may be to something like this as taking place in other men that the apostle refers when he says we shall not all sleep we shall all be changed that coming death was to be but as the overshadowing cloud from which the glory should break anew and for ever the transfiguration then was the divine defiance of the coming darkness let us now speculate for a moment upon the relation of the spiritual and physical manifested in it he became i repeat outwardly glorious from inward communion with his father in like circumstance the face of moses shone marvellously and what wonder what should make a man's face shine if not the presence of the holy if not communion with the father of his spirit in the transfiguration of jesus we have i think just the perfect outcome of those natural results of which we have the first signs in moses the full daylight of which his shining face was as the dawn thus like the other miracles i regard it as simply a rare manifestation of the perfect working of nature who knows not that in moments of lofty emotion in which self is for the time forgotten the eyes shine and the face is so transfigured that we are doubtful whether it be not in a degree absolutely luminous i say once more in the lord we find the perfecting of all the dull hunts of precious things which common humanity affords us if so what a glory must await every lowliest believer since the communion of our elder brother with his father and our father a communion for whose perfecting in us he came caused not only his face to shine but the dull garments he wore to become white as snow through the potency of the per permeating light issuing through the potency of the permeating light issuing from his whole person the outer man shone with the delight of the inner man for his father was with him so that even his garments shared in the glory such is what the presence of the father will do for every man may i not add that the shining of the garments is a type of the glorification of everything human when brought into its true relations by and with the present god keeping the same point of view i turn now to the resurrection with which the whole fact is so closely associated i think the virtue of divine presence which thus broke in light from the body of jesus is the same by which his risen body half molten in power was rendered plastic to the will of the indwelling spirit what if this light were the healing agent of the bodies of men as the deeper other light from which it sprung is the healing agent of themselves are not the most powerful of the rays of light invisible to our vision some will object that this is a too material view of life and its facts i answer that the question is whether i use the material to interpret the spiritual as i think i do or to account for it as i know i do not in my theory the spiritual both explains and accounts for the material if the notions we have of what we may call material light render it the only fitting image to express the invisible truth the being of god there must be some closest tie between them not of connection only but of unity such a fitness could not exist without such connection except indeed there were one god of the natural and another of the supernatural who yet were brothers and thought in similar modes and the one had to supplement the work of the other 
the essential truth of god it must be that creates its own visual image in the sun that enlightens the world when man who is the image of god is filled with the presence of the eternal he too in virtue of his divine nature thus for the moment ripened to glory radiates light from its very person where when or how the inner spiritual light passes into or generates outward physical light who can tell this borderland this touching of what we call mind and matter is the region of miracles of material creation i might have said which is the great suspect the only miracle but if matter be the outcome of spirit and body and soul be one man then the soul be radiant of truth what can the body do but shine i conjecture then that truth which is light in the soul may not only cast out disease which is darkness in the body but change that body even without the intervention of death into the likeness of the body of jesus capable of all that could be demanded of it except by violence i do not think the body of jesus could have died no physiologist can tell why man should die i think a perfect soul would be capable of keeping its body alive an imperfect one cannot fill it with light in every part cannot thoroughly inform the brute matter with life the transfiguration of jesus was but the visible outbreak of a life so strong as to be life-giving life-restoring the flesh it could melt away and ever more renew such a body might well walk upon the stormiest waters a body thus responsive to and interpenetrative of light which is the visible life could have no sentence of death in it it would have never died but i find myself in regions where i dare tread no further for the darkness of ignorance i see many glimmers they are too formless and uncertain when or how the light died away we are not told my own fancy is that it went on shining but paling all the night upon the lonely mount to vanish in the dawn of the new day when he came down from the mountain the virtue that dwelt in him went forth no more in light to the eyes but in healing to the poor torn frame of the epileptic boy so he vanished at last from the eyes of his friends only to draw nearer the more intense and healing presence to their hearts and minds even so come lord jesus end of chapter twelve recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida end of the miracles of our lord by george macdonald